Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your co-host, Ian. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither are our D&D games. We have a new gold tier patron. Yes, New York Tater. Oh, you know what? An upgrade. Yeah, so our congratulations to our newest gold tier patron, New York Tater. Thank you very much for bumping up from silver to uh, gold. You are the man. New York Tater. <laughs> so welcome to the party. Uh, <laughs> what? Wow, I'm paying more for this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you are. Um, so, yeah, so congratulations. Thank you so much, New York Tater, for your support. For those of you that don't know, Patreon is a membership platform that allows uh, creators to build relationships with their most loyal fans, known as patrons. This is done through a re- reward tier system. Um, and for as little as $1 a month, you can come and uh, be a part of that community and support our show if you think our show is worth one dollar a month please uh head on over there and check out the rewards and 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 throw a few dollars our way to help us pay for our stuff i guess our community is nuts yeah i know they are (laughs) that's why we like them (laughs) but we love all of you guys in crit nation you guys are awesome so come and join the party we've got lots of cool rewards just from a private discord channel to watching our show live when it records which is a lot of fun there is a massive amount of content generally that is cut out so it's really awesome so definitely check it out at CritAcademy.com or patreon.com slash CritAcademy. And Brendan, you do commissions. <laughs> I do commissions. Yes, I do. Uh, I got full body, full color artwork just for you guys for $20. Or you can become a patron. You can probably win from one, one for free if you're lucky enough. Yeah, yeah, that is one of our rewards. So thank you for offering your skill set to us. Speaking <laughs> of freaking uh, free commissions, Sandbridge is taking a run for my money. <laughs> What's that? Sam's taking a run for my money. Why is that? Because uh, he doesn't want me to do a picture of a character. He's running a a game where the players have to climb this colossal skeleton, and he wants the skeleton to be a map. Yeah. Oh. And he wants me to make that map. If you head on over to the episode that I recorded <laughs> with um, Two Minute Tabletop, um, we actually briefly discussed about how awesome it would be to have like a giant colossal map of a creature you're crawling on, like God of War. So and I good. just went back to a map we played in Starfinder one time. I'm like, oh no, not that map. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> good a, ideas. It's a giant statue of a woman. It was also a temple, but for some strange reason, guess where you entered the temple? Oh God, <laughs> uh, I'm, no, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, we have um, a good idea what we're gonna do. He says that he would compensate for any extras. Yeah, very cool. So yeah, and your your prices are very good for the full. Would you say it was twenty dollars? Twenty yeah. for a full one, and then you can get like line art and stuff. You know, like at a, like eight bucks. So that's really cool. So uh, <laughs> definitely check that out. You can message <laughs> us through Facebook or Twitter to get a hold of Brandon or email us. <laughs> and Tate says, give him a screenshot of the Operation Game Board. <laughs> 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 That's funny. Watch out for this part of the brain. Uh, <laughs> so, um, with all that uh, housekeeping out of the way, thank you for joining us today here at Kurt Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like an adventure without a plot twist. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. It had to be done. We have a really great episode for you today. Our main topic will be plot twists. Um, I'm super excited to talk about that. We got some samples we're going to deliver uh, to you. Oh, please. We all know the, the, the butler did it. 
<laughs> um, of course, we have a uh, uh, we have a question from one of our listeners, as well as our unearthed tips and tricks, where we bring new and reusable material for you to bring with you on your next adventure. <laughs> but before all that, we like to start off every episode on a high note by giving away wonderful prizes each and every week. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, Compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com Or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Brandon, who is our winner today? Our winner for Goblin Stone is Nara1399. Uh, congratulations to Nara1399. You are this week's winner. If you enjoy the adventure, please head on over to goblinstone.com and leave him a review. Let him know what you like, what you didn't like, so he can improve his pro- uh, improve his products moving forward. Yay! Guys, what's going on in your realm? Well, we all played the game on Friday. It's a group for a change. Yeah, we did. It was fantastic. And Brandon yeah. joined us, who uh, doesn't and, ever join us. And Luke. And Luke. And, and, Luke. and, and the... The the Lost Prince uh, Ryan joined us. Yep, it was it was a really fun uh, yeah, was a adventure. Yeah. And Matt. Oh yeah, well you know, <laughs> well, except for the last hour and a half when we just started bickering about building shit. Oh yeah, so uh, <laughs> so uh, obviously I wouldn't be much of a, a a show host if I didn't take my own advice. So we're running Storm King's Thunder, and part of Storm King's Thunder is the Savage Frontier. If you remember, we had uh, Jeff Stevens on who who wrote uh, an additional supplement for that because it's so open ended. So uh, as a reward, I think I actually gave you guys a choice, right? Uh-huh. Um, you could take some fat out loots, or he offered um, like was it like 15, what was it fifteen? Nineteen acres. Nineteen acres of land to the players. So then they started having to c- talk to construction workers who they didn't <laughs> trust at all. So there was a whole debacle of them trying to confirm whether the the the. Um, Building materials. The building, well, whether the the construction quality. worker was trying to rip you guys off because he kept talking about how great he was. Yeah, and how it looked like. Where'd you guys get the building material come from? <laughs> it's like it's it's the it's the best, most high quality material. I swear it is. Shifty eyes. It's like, huh? Let's go investigate <laughs> that shit. Eyes. And it turns out he was just reusing old material from other burned out, uh, destroyed buildings. But it was really <laughs> cool because the, the, the city had just been attacked by a bunch of giants. So what else giants. Um, so they had to use leftover material this time, I guess. I don't know. It was a lot of fun. What was your favorite part of the night? Detective A, my character demanded a multi-tier bunker for his construction project. <laughs> and B, about how my character always has Kate billowing in the wind. <laughs> for no reason. Even if there was no wind. That, that reminds me of... Uh, <laughs> His, of um, Doctor Strange, his yeah. quote kind of does that, right? What about you, Brandon? Uh, my favorite part actually has nothing to do with my character; it has to do with Luke's character stealing the ruby. <laughs> oh yeah, so, uh, so one of the giants was out to collect, uh, looking for a person, was willing to pay a hefty reward for that person, right? <laughs> uh, the, the three guys came by with the, the dude they were looking for, and the giant lady pulled out a ruby. Like twice the size of a basketball, dropped it on the leader, killed him. <laughs> and the other two were like, "Hey, cool! Split, split to fight it evenly." And 
Luke's character is talking to Maya. It's like, I got an idea. Just go with it. He runs up to the ruby and Misty steps with it and hides. <laughs> he <laughs> so, runs away with it. That's so now we have this giant ass ruby that's worth a, a kingdom lot. or something. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't told you yet because I'm not sure. <laughs> now we came to the uh, realization that we can't sell it because it's too big. No one has that kind of money. And L- luckily, you're a jeweler, though, right? Yes, my character's a jeweler. So, so you're like chiseling to, uh, off chunks. Tink, tink, tink. Make many smaller dink, ones. Dink, sell them individually. Tink, tink. Yeah. But in the end, you guys spent wasted way too much time trying to figure out yeah. what how you wanted to what you wanted to build on your plot of land and how you were going to actually get it built. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And that's when to actually bring blueprints. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty awesome. I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Oh yeah, uh, it, was, it was. By the way, it, what what kind of bugged me more than anything is I thought when we started, I thought we were already past that part. No. And so I actually had other stuff prepared for the night, but then uh, I think it was you or uh, Matt said, uh, "Yeah, no, we didn't finish that fight. Oh, that means we're in the middle of it." <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was a yeah. lot of fun. So, Storm King's Thunder is a really cool story, by the way. All right, so uh, that's awesome. So that'll do it for in the realm. Brandon, if they like to visit other realms, how can they do that? Well, if they want to visit other realms, you could go to CritAcademy.com, and you can click on the Audible link, and from there you can go to Audible Trials, and you can get a free audiobook with your trial, and it's 30 days. Yeah, uh, I'm loving it. I'm almost finished with the third volume of Stormlight Archives, 55 hours of audio for free. So go and check them out. Or you can take ecstasy, whichever you want. Actually, it's not for free because I signed up for the subscription a while ago. So, but I got, I got the book for free for like fifteen bucks a month. So. Nice. Yeah, Tate, I, I got it. I don't think they did. Uh, I did. <laughs> so, moving on to our next segment, we have our let's talk about blank segment, where we hear questions from you. This question comes to us from Ryan Rowley. If a creature like the carrion crawler or the ghoul has you paralyzed and tries to drag you away. Does it require a check of any kind? Does its move get reduced? Does it just move away with a player in tow with no worries? Thanks in advance. <sighs> so, first, what are your guys' thoughts on this before I give mine? Ian, you're a rules guy. Why don't you start? Of course, you're asking this rule. I have no book in front of me. Uh, <laughs> my knee-jerk reaction is... It does require a check, but it totally has advantage. Its movement gets cut in half, and it... And as long as it succeeds in those checks, yeah, you're being dragged away, sucker. <laughs> Sounds about right. What about you, Brandon? So, I well, I'm not sure because I've never dealt with paralyzed, being paralyzed in game well, I'll before. I'll have to fix that. But oh, that's great. Uh, but if you're paralyzed and a ghost has you, would you be paralyzed and grappled? Yeah. So you'd have to make two checks, or how how would that work? Well, the paralyzed effect is of its own. You can't move. You can't. You can't really do a whole lot of anything, so you can't fight. So I think the question that he's asking is, is there a punishment to the player well, or to the, to, to the player being dragged off? Um, it, once the creature has already succeeded at a contested grapple to grab you, that's it. And you can't take any action until you're paralyzed. Yes, so. which means you can't break it. Or, nope. So that, I guess that brings up another question. Is if you grapple somebody who's paralyzed, is it still a contested check? Or is it an auto success? I would because they can't technically take an action, and trying to avoid being grappled was certainly an action, right? Right. That's the whole point of the contested check. This is true. Yeah. So, here's my thoughts on it. Does it require a check of any kind? I would say 
No. no. I would say if you're trying to grapple somebody, I would consider an automatic success because they can't move. Nope. Um, does it require uh, movement? To Does its movement get reduced? By the rules, like you said, half. half. That's it. I yep. wouldn't. That doesn't need to change. Does it just move away with the player in tow? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it drags that player and it can't break it while it's paralyzed. So that <laughs> player... Guys? Guys? Bye, Goran. Bye. <laughs> that player now has to rely on their team members to keep them safe. Now, or make we, a new character. we ran into a similar situation of being dragged away just recently, right? I think it was one of the live streams we did, right? Was it? You had uh, uh, oh yeah uh, tentacles from a a very familiar uh, monster dragging you towards the towards the the forest. Now you weren't paralyzed, so you actually could fight back and use your. Yep. Chant. But if you were if you were paralyzed, I would probably wouldn't let you be able to to break that. No, 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 no. <laughs> now for clarification, I'm sure there's some things that could be done um, outside that normally would bend those rules. I don't know what they are because I'm not all knowing. But I honestly, that to me, it's a pretty straight answer. Um, no checks, half movement, and players fucked without his friends. Because <laughs> I think this would be great, like dragging them like through the mud and stuff, and and you know, you know, uh, drowning them, you know, dragging them through, you know, little little bit of water or over some cacti or something, <laughs> or, <laughs> or uh, throw them into a bag of holding. <laughs> um, throw them into a bag of holding. That's a good one. Well, you brought up air after like a few minutes. So. Yeah. Um, so, uh, do you guys have any other points you want to touch on that? This was actually a pretty simple one, but since it came right in from, a uh, a listener, I wanted to make sure that it got answered. Sure, sure. So, um, all right, that'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. Uh, now on to our big daddy topic, our main topic, the meat on our podcast sandwich, if you will, <laughs> followed by our su- special sauce, which is our... So, uh, like, chicken wings? No, not like chicken wings, dude. Okay, so our main topic today is plot twists for your game. Now, I want to give a huge shout-out to our listener, Jeremy Clark. Uh, he actually shared this 24 plot ideas to our Facebook group, the, the Crit Nation community. Um, please head on over, uh, type it in the Facebook, and come find us. Uh, it's like facebook.com slash Crit Nation community or something like that. Roleplaying.com slash campaign slash 24 dash plot dash twists. I was just going to say, there's a link... There's a link in our show notes, which you can find at CritAcademy.com, that actually has all 24 plot twist ideas. Uh, we're only going to talk about like six or seven, I think. Uh, maybe if we come, we have some other ones you guys want to talk about, we can. But I, I took several of these. Um, some of them I changed because I didn't like the original one. Um, others are uh, just a, a, a shortening of what uh, the art, uh, author said. But uh, I was really excited to talk about this because I think plot twists are important to an adventure. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Oh, for other ideas, just watch your local soap opera. <laughs> Nobody, no, no. <laughs> hey, you and your grandma can now have wonderful time together watching soap operas. You're taking this notes. A, this is and a she's great. Deeply involved. This is a great plot to us. Where'd you get it from? Gone with the wind. <laughs> Days of our lives. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, we know. Everyone knows that General Hospital has the best plot twists. Turns out. She's your mother. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so you end up with a wish sandwich where you have two slices of bread, pumpernickel or rye, and wish you had some meat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Ian, would you like to talk about our first plot twist? First off, we have the greatest weakness. The PCs encounter an enemy of great power. That's me. 
in their current state, an outright engagement would likely be rather fatal for them or difficult. However, there's good news. Their investigation has led them to a secret weakness of the enemy. A ritual or item that will allow them to conquer the foe. Unfortunately, they discovered what they thought was a way to weaken the enemy. It actually powers them up. <laughs> Ouch. So that's like, instead of giving Superman kryptonite, you give him like a small solar sun that just beefs him up. <laughs> so, red kryptonite? No, that just makes him angry. Right. Doesn't it? Yeah. I guess an uncontrolled Superman is more powerful than a controlled Superman. So, yeah, okay, I'll give you that one. Um, so, uh, I, I really like this idea. Um, I think that it, to run this successfully, I do, th I do think that you need to make sure that there are opportunities along the line, even if they're subtle clues that hint that it's not right, um, to give the players an opportunity to discover before they beef up the boss and he ends up wiping out the village they were protecting. You know, what do you, what do you think about it, Brandon? I, I, th I think it's cold. <laughs> it's cold in here? No, no, in, in general. I'm saying okay. that it's cold. Thanks for adding to the conversation. I appreciate it. You're welcome, dick. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to uh, get ahead. <laughs> uh, we'll give you the next one in that case. Um, so um, do you have any specific examples you, you would uh, recommend to our listeners um, in this situation? I mean, I use the Superman and the solar tiny little sun, but that's not really a really great, amp great one. I could have, uh, one example I would give is like a, a necromancer, right? Mm -hmm. He's trying to raise an undead armory, but unfortunately he doesn't have the outright power to do it. So he might need some special item. And through the, the rumors channel, he's put out some sort of feelers or quests saying, hey, you know what? The secret to defeating this big bad is actually this orb. And turns out that orb is what he needs to fully unlock the, his power to, to summon an entire undead army. That would, that would suck because then your players are directly responsible for him succeeding. Th this is something that's happened in uh, the first Assassin's Creed game. The very, very first one. Would you like to share? Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> in the first Assassin's Creed, you are a master assassin who gets all his stuff taken away. He's stripped down of being an assassin, and you have to regain all that slowly. Well, your mentor is reteaching you, and you end up getting this Apple of Eden, which is this almighty, powerful relic. And you bring it back to him for safekeeping, who in turn uses it to try to gain ultimate power. That's awesome. And then you have to stop him at the end. He's the final fight. It's like, oh, you were my mentor. It's like, bitch, I got this now. What are you going to do? <laughs> so that's been out for a while, right? That's the first one? Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. If you don't know, then... <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to take that, Ian? Oh, how about there is something that has to return something? And when they return it with, with the requester, unleashes some disaster. And they have to fight him to stop it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ed, I actually think that's pretty cool. You are you thinking like a, like a natural re disaster? Um, right? Yeah. Is that what it sounds like he's talking about? Like a natural disaster? That's one option. Uh, welcome to all our uh, peeps who are here but aren't talking. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> Ed is taking up all the all the chat all chat box. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have any uh, particular points on that? Yeah, wasn't it that that one adventure when we had to like, rescue a storm orb? Yes. Ha <laughs> ha! It's mine now, suckers. <laughs> now that the Georgia village. <laughs> um, something that causes harm to the village. Uh, kind of like in a uh, dead space, they find a relic that's been 
Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, they, they got shafted with that. <clears throat> yeah, that was bad. Uh, it was a mining group out in space, and they find this relic, and like, hey, look, this is awesome. And they take it to the ship, and then all these demon monster things start coming out of nowhere. Come to find out that, that relic was keeping them, the demons, at bay until they took it away. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's another one. Maybe uh, it could be an accident, right? Maybe the, the, the result isn't necessarily that... Um, the the heroes were seeking out a weakness for the enemy, but they were just seeking something out, and turns out that it it becomes a powerful uh, boost, and somebody comes and takes it from them. You know, yeah. So I like the the twist on the greatest weakness. I think that's a really good one. Brandon, do you want to take the next one? The next one, hardened by fire. <laughs> Ed, yeah. uh, sorry. Ed actually says, uh, think about stuff like the Mummy and Ghostbusters. Those are really great examples. The Mummy was stupid. I love the first mummy. Hey, let's get this gag cursed. It makes him even more powerful. Yeah, but that's kind of, I think, what he's alluding to. I know. What's still? This place is cursed. Everything is cursed to you. This is cursed. That is cursed. <laughs> Hardened by fire. The employer of the PCs, or a mentor to them, is also the cause of the conflict. I.e. Assassin's Creed. The purpose is often to toughen up the PCs or the region in which they are a part of. Yeah. Have you seen the Wanted movie? Unfortunately. I actually think the plot wasn't wanted, terrible. It was wanted. just executed. In Wanted, they could bend the bullets. That was where the kid became uh, an assassin, right? Yeah. yeah. In Wanted, it's very much like this because they use this loom. I think it's a loom, right? Yeah. That little pre- little. is like the power of God and, pre- and creates prophecies. And they use that to prevent bad people, quote unquote, from becoming too bad, right? They just take them out. They remove them entirely. You find out that the the guy who's the leader of the assassins group has actually been, you know, manipulating the loom all along, you know, as opposed to it being like a prophecy from God, it's a prophecy from him and he decides who lives type of thing. Yep. That had a great ending. Um so, uh <laughs> back back to Hardened by Fire. What other examples can you guys uh think of of the, I mean, what do you th- what do you think about this sort of uh plot twist? Batman Begins. Ooh, that's, yeah, that's a, a good, really one. good one. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna you wanna uh, uh, elaborate on that? We're a League of Assassins. We're gonna train you up to be an awesome assassin. Oh, now you're gonna backstab us. Our bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing with uh, Bane. The the whole point was to find this this underground leader who apparently wasn't Bane. It was someone else. Mm-hmm. At the very end, I didn't see it coming. Right, and that's and, that, and that's really good. So, um, by Having somebody who is guiding these these the the players along and giving them the quests and and if you're a good role player as a DM, which I hope you are, hopefully if you're on episode eighty two, you should be a master by now. Uh, <laughs> um, if you're you're a great role player and you can build an attachment, get the players to be attached to that person, it'll make it that much more jarring when it happens. Uh, Don't you think? Yep. I mean, I had a I had an adventure that I ran for uh, some friends a while ago. Oh man, this was like, this was a while. This was like when I first started, like 4E, and um, they had the 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 main little quest hub in the town, you know, that they started in was a guild, and you know they go to the guild master and and, and all this stuff, and they constantly are meeting with him, and he's giving out quests, and he's giving them a good solid pat on the shoulder all the time, telling them what a great job they're doing and how they're saving, you know the entire world and their actions have you know powerful consequences and turns out all the relics that they were hunting that were evil relics were all a part of 
a single unit, and once he formed them like Voltron, he started wrecking shit. So the uh, campaign ended with them having to fight this big, powerful bad guy who had this like exoskeleton relic armor on him. And it was one of my favorite role plays because I got to completely change how the character acted in a snap. Like a Thanos snap. <laughs> uh, see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I really like the Hardened by a Fire, putting the players through trials and tribulations with somebody they know and then turning around that the, everything they've been done is to help the villain, right? So, very cool stuff. Um, Alright, so the next uh, plot twist we have is the ally with the enemy. Out of nowhere, a port city is attacked by a fleet of enemy ships. The port town doesn't have the resources to fight in an effective naval battle. The PCs must turn to the band of pirates, who, at this point, they have been tasked with dealing with. So there's probably a bit of, uh, you know... Animosity. Uh, yeah, animosity between them, a little bit of anger, because you just been killing all my guys and taking all my stuff, and now you're going you're gonna, to gonna ask for help, you know? But a, a group of pirates would have the, the, the tools to, to help... The resources at hand. Yes, thank you. Have the resources at hand to actually deal with the issue. And by... Forcing the players to work with the enemy, a lot of different challenges show up, right? Trust being number one, right? Who's going to backstab who first? Hey, Necromancer, our uh, town's being attacked by a huge army. Can uh, can you help us out and find them? Uh, why should I do that? Because you'll have more time to to your army when you kill them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's add to it. So, judging by Ryan, apparently I said pork town. <laughs> Or, or, I don't know. Home of the Begging. The Port City. Port City. Port. port. Um, what do you guys think about this? <laughs> I like it. Do you think both sides should stick to their agreement and help and not trash each other? or The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I got a question for you guys. If the pirates have been hunted and have had their, their team get dwindled down by the adventures, what kind of requests do you think they would make of the... Adventurers, in order to seal the deal with their for their support, royal pardon, royal pardon of everything probably, they've done bad. Yeah, probably a pardon to not get hanged. See, I think it would be more than that because or they're just gonna go as, back and do it again, or be hired as privateers by the government. Oh, okay. So they they want to be hired so they can get away, no longer have to pirate. No, no, no. Privateering is legal piracy. Oh snap! <laughs> maybe maybe the, maybe the port town just takes a percentage of what they steal. More like, uh, okay, you can read the other guys. Just don't read our stuff. Just don't take our stuff? <laughs> Maybe. That's a good one. I think one of the bigger things that could be fun is to tie the what the pirates are doing to to a, a, of their view of good. Maybe it turns out that they're all people who have unfortunately lost their jobs and couldn't get work and were forced to turn to piracy, but in their right in their minds, they're, maybe they're not really bad people. That Maybe they don't kill people or anything like that. Pirate, you should protect your port town. No, why would we do that? Because the rum distillery is here. <laughs> rum. Protect the rum! I see this in uh, a few plots in shows and movies. Like, uh, Tate is saying it's in Game of Thrones, which it is. Yep. Uh, I haven't seen Game of Thrones. It's it's a long sit-through, but when you sit and watch it, it's actually pretty good. It is pretty good. Yeah. But that happens there. Uh, it happens in Alien vs. Predator. The first one. Can you give us some examples? Talk about them as opposed to just yes. saying, oh, and, it happens here, here, and in here. In AVP, you see humans, predators, and xenomorphs, and they're all fighting in this temple. And one of the humans ends up becoming buddy-buddy uh, with a predator to try and stop the outbreak of xenomorphs. Right, because then 
they're both screwed, I guess, if they don't? Yes. Huh, okay. Horribly. It was in uh, Blade 2, in the second Blade. You remember seeing that one, right? I the one I, that I remember Blade. I don't. Rem- they all kind of just blend together in as garbage, Blade except two, for the first one. The vampires make a hybrid, uh, hybrid vampire that they can't control. They they can't control it. To them, blood is like cocaine, and they have to get to it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And whatever they bite, they transform into whatever they are mm-hmm. within moments. Moments, a very short amount of time. Unlike where vampires, it takes them a little bit longer. Takes a while to make the change. And and they become this virus. So the vampires enlist Blade to hunt them. Oh, yeah, even though he normally hunts vampires. He gets screwed in the end, too, but... Of course they did. But he comes back being the badass he is. Yeah. Dodging tax evasion. I think uh, tossing the pl- uh, another <laughs> subplot twist in there where it turns out that their pirates are not bad guys would be really cool, too. Because then you just killed a bunch of people who were just dads that lost their job. Oh. <laughs> or in the uh, second story arc of Judas Bizarre Adventures, when they're dealing with vampires, and, the Nazi- and they have to get the help with the Nazis to help fight them. I feel like that no matter what happened, no vampire could be worse than a Nazi. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that'll do it for uh, that one. Uh, I really liked uh, I re- this. This of all of them uh, was probably my favorite. It's called rubber banding. The longer the PCs take, the more permanent a change starts to become, creating a sliding scale of success instead of just a straight out pass or fail condition, which I think is awesome. Such a twist creates higher ongoing tension the longer the drama goes on. For example, a fire elemental takes roost in a nearby volcano. It stokes the flames of, in the lava in an attempt to lead to an eruption or multiple eruptions. The longer the PC stake, the more violent the volcano becomes and increasing frequency uh, of eruptions as well as how severe they are. You know, and in addition, you'll get other things like um, the, the, the ash in the air erupts so much it starts to blot out the sun. Uh, maybe even create like a, like a global warming type thing in a localized region where it's raising the temperature. Landslides become more frequent. Earthquakes begin, you know, toppling buildings left and right. Um, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. If Literally. You, this sounds very similar to, uh, th- this would be like a, 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 a twist version of one of our plot or one of our campaign themes, if you remember. Escalating. We literally just talked about it like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Anyways. Escalation. <laughs> um, so it's very similar to our escalation in, in, a, in a smaller uh, contained situation. Well, that's um, quickly. I like this because this is a way to push the heroes to not take rest. Because for every rest they take, the volcano erupts and hundreds of people die. The f- more of the, the, the forest in the surrounding area becomes desolate, you know. Um, the, the darker the sky becomes where daytime is no different than nighttime because it's blotted out the, the sun, you know. Then we'll fight in the shade. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I like this because uh, the PC has a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can choose to ignore it, but the, world, the area around them is still going to be in dire peril whether they choose to take on the task or not, right? Or, or the castle's under siege, but they're going to only hold up for so long. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, so um, that's actually, of all of them, that's my favorite <laughs> because I like the worst thing. A flood would be a good example of this, too, right? Uh, rising tides. <laughs> it's the name of an adventure coming out. Yeah. I really should uh, add that to it now. It's never going to be done. I keep adding stuff. Next uh. up on deck, we have... <laughs> Did we do that? The PCs may or may not be on the wrong side. But 
That's because they've been tr tricked or forced to support the villain's goals. Maybe blackmail be involved. Maybe the villain is a patron to the group, a mentor or a friend. And um, some examples could be that the uh, PCs have been informed by their patron that a close personal friend is sick. And that a magic item in the dragon's lair might, just maybe, be able to save them. The PCs have been tasked with assaulting a dragon's lair or been asked to draw the dragon away. While his subordinate sneaks in to retrieve it. Unfortunately, the item the patron was after uh, actually helps him take over a city by enslaving a beholder. Scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, uh, we, what we talked about earlier, we were talking about uh, greatest weakness. I think some of the things we talked about probably followed uh, fall more in line with did we do that. Wow, um, is that really the example that came to my head? Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost? I don't remember Scooby-Doo except for the one episode with Supernatural. Fair enough, but the... <laughs> The entire like movie, they're trying to track down a a spell book, and it turned out the archaeologist that was helping them was a descendant of said witch. Ah, <laughs> and he used it to power himself up. Right. That once he, again, that's closer to greatest weakness. We're getting the, the two mixed up. They were voiced by Tim Curry. That's cool. Um. So I really like this one because um, the the players end up being on the wrong side of the law, so to speak, and yep. they're not aware of it. Whether it's um, an NPC they know or just somebody that has hired them for a task like this. Hey, um, I really need this thing to help help these people out. Um, this item exists here. I need you to go in and, and distract them so we can sneak in and get it and hopefully save the world type of thing. And it turns out, no. Come back and the village is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> As a giant be enslaved beholder is... Uh, is attacking, you know, with his <laughs> stupid disintegration rays. Hopefully Garmore doesn't live there. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys have any good examples of this? The campaign is finished with my students today involved going back in time after killing a vampire to the moment in history before the vampire becomes a vampire. Oh, that's cool. That just makes too much sense, Ryan. <laughs> I know, right? That makes me think of uh, Soul Reaver. That was an amazing game. That was a great game. If you have not played it, you need to. It's fantastic. That's one of the first puzzle games where you had to like shift between dimensions to succeed. Right? Was... You're jumping back and forth between the different dimensions. Same that was with, a great game. Something with, with uh, Krillin Trigger sometimes, too. Oh, yeah. Krillin Trigger was something. Yeah, that, that was kind of uh, one of the plots in it, was you end up going back in time and killing a... Uh... Kane? Not, not Kane. A, a descendant of the vampires. And then it makes the entire timeline completely unstable, and Kane's like, "We shouldn't have done it. We shouldn't have done it." <laughs> yeah. So that one, that one's pretty straightforward. The, the next one we have um, is called Polar Relationship. An important NPC, the PCs are close to work for an opposing cause. It's mm, a shame. While their goals are the same, the means and reasoning is different which isn't discovered until the end, at which point it's too late. That's a shitty way to go. <laughs> <laughs> the P uh, a good example would be that the PCs are on a mission for a good church. Their goal is to recover a stolen or lost holy relic. PCs believe that the return of the relic will return confidence to the church and hopefully bring in more followers to its good and just cause. What they don't realize is the church leader is making a powerful hungry move. The relic represents a way for them to consolidate power so they can turn the region into an 
authoritarian state and make the king or queen a puppet. Like a Man, this is a little, hitting a little too close to home, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a really good one, right? Because who's going to suspect... The, 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 the holy man at the church is that's, that's asking you to retrieve something that has such meaning in history and importance to his faith. Like the Holy Grail. Like the Holy Grail. That's a good one. <laughs> should play Dante's Inferno. Why? Because it, it's an awesome game. The story plot in the beginning is uh, this Templar goes out during the Crusades and he tells the one that he loves that he will always be faithful to her. And a bishop who looks crazed, says that he absolves them of their future sins so they can continue on with this uh, uh, crusade as violently as they want to. Mm-hmm. And in exchange for not taking this woman's brother away, she sleeps with him. Well, unknown to him, she makes a pact with the devil saying that if he ever does sleep with someone else or does not be faithful to me, you can have my soul. Well, Dante finds this out, and he has to travel through the seven souls of hell. There's seven circles of hell to get to him. That sounds cool. And he has to fight Satan himself. And there's a huge twist at the end. If you haven't played it, you should do it. Should that do sounds it. awesome. I'll awesome check game. it out. Um, yeah, I, I like stuff like this. This is super simple. You can do this with anything. We talk about a, um, uh, a church, but it could be uh, a merchant, right? It could be, you know, maybe it could be a king that's asking, you know, for help to return this important item uh that's relative to their their the the city or town villages you know lore and history and it'll make them feel really good you know it's like we do with our american flag right america like if there was one american (laughs) flag and it got lost and we'd set out on an adventure to find the flag you know uh ed says uh the king king show kingsfall has some of those elements uh i've heard of it i've heard it's really good i'll have to i'll check it out i haven't um but yeah so all these are just a sample. I think I only pulled like six ideas. From oh wait, this. I think I have seen that. It's like it was that one Holy Grail show on the on the History Channel that was the Templars. Um, yeah. So that concludes our main topic. It's a little shorter. Um, I only picked six of these items. Uh, actually, do you guys have any plot twists that you've experienced in your D and D careers that you think are worth mentioning? Uh, no, no, not me. I haven't had any real plot twists yet. Yeah. Well, if you start coming to our games more often, maybe I probably we'll would. Yeah. What about you, Ian? You've had to have some. You play more RPGs than any of us. Yeah, I definitely had a couple where um, I actually ran a superhero game one time where a uh, alien spaceship crash landed, and the aliens inside were being hunted out by an alpha predator type alien, kind of like a xenomorph. Mm-hmm. It turned out in the end that the uh, reason that the said xenomorph was attacking them may have been because those first aliens torched their planet. Huh. Very <laughs> cool. I like that. One of my favorite plot twists um, that I've ever done is right out of one of my favorite series, uh, the Shannara series, um, or Planet of the Apes, where uh, the heroes are in this you know ancient medieval kind of setting, this fantasy setting, and they're fighting this giant iron dragon that makes a loud you know clanking and gluttering noise as they're they're engaging it their blades are ineffective and it breathes fire that can uh up to miles away and as the campaign unfolds you find out that they're fighting tanks um and that (laughs) the world isn't just fantasy but this lost technology exists and there are people who are recovering it and making it function 
And all the while they thought, you know, some of these things they were fighting were in fact, you know, monsters when all the all the descriptions and stuff or everything you know the clanking of the it it's uh rounded you know short stubby legs and you know all these different things and that was one of my favorite twists that i've ever done um probably the biggest one but i ripped that right from my shinara series when i was reading it um so (laughs) what happened i got hit by a light that connected to a whole bunch of metal (laughs) it's called a train try to avoid those (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, uh, that'll do it for our main, our main topic plot twist. Uh, there, you can go over to roleplayingtips.com slash campaign slash 24 dash plot dash twist dash ideas, or just click uh, the link in our show notes and check out the other, uh, 18 that they have there. That'll do it for our main topic today. Before we move on to our honor tips and tricks, we have one more gift to give away compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Lawsmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. And our winner today is Trent Dot Clark Thirty One. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, you gotta take a stand. It don't help. Watching the feedback on the monitor. <laughs> Congratulations to Trent Dot Clark Thirty One. You are this week's winner. If you enjoy the adventure, please let Laura Smith know. Let leave them a review. Let them know what you thought. Tell them how much you like it. Tell them Critic Academy sent you, and let them know what you didn't like too, so we can improve this product moving forward. Um, so, moving on to our fourth and final segment, our secret sauce, our unearthed tips and tricks. Where we. <laughs> <laughs> where we bring new and creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? <laughs> Special sauce, sorry. Uh, all right, so our... Shark poison. Our character concept for the podcast is just simply called Mysterio. This character works as a special effects expert for a circus troupe. He uses chemicals, explosives, and powders to make grand optical illusions, spectacular fireballs. He decided during one show to use more explosive powder to make the enemy's attack seem that much more fantastic. Unfortunately, the blast was too big. Several actors and a few civilians were killed during the show. (laughs) He was banned from forever performing and as a result decided to take to adventuring, pretending to be a wizard with great power. When, in fact, he has no magical talent to speak of. <laughs> now. T- Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly where I got it from. Uh, I was, uh, it's definitely Spider-Man's uh, arch rival, because that's pretty damn close to the yep. identical story. Except it's not magic, it's sleight of hand. But um, I think this obviously requires a little bit of uh, reflavoring of a spellcaster. Um, I think you can really get away with it, especially if you don't want to waste a point taking it in, like, arcane. Taking the arcane uh, history or the arcane skill, and you want to do something different, um, you can have a lot of fun with this and really get <laughs> um, creative with how your stuff actually works. Now, if you're a person who loves spell components, this is the time to 
incorporate those different types of effects in your 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 attacks. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, I also was reminded of Hercule when I uh, was, was writing this. You guys remember Hercule from Dragon Ball? Where they're all, all the Z fighters are fighting, and he's like, that, it's just a trick. <laughs> and in one scene, he's got like a button he pushes, and it creates an explosion like he's holding out his hand, doing an energy blast. Um, you know, so I'm, 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 I'm constantly reminded that stuff like that, are, are they, this is more challenging to do, right? Like, clearly they got magnets underneath the stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is <laughs> that's a funny one. Uh, yeah, that there uh, is just a, a, a high-powered flashlight with a little bit of gunpowder. It's easy. <laughs> um, you know, but if you are the creative person that wants to go through all these links to describe and going over the top, like, once again, I'm going to go back to Dragon Ball, the, the Ginyu Force. If you want to really go into <laughs> making a huge scene about waving your hands into wide countering circles, bringing them together so you can, you know, uh, rub the two little things together that are on your palms to create a spark to light something, you know, getting really heavy into that, this is the type of character to do that. You know, one of the best parts in the, the fighting game Dragon Ball Fighter Fighter Z mm-hmm. is during story mode when you have, like, uh, both um, uh, Go Tanks and the and then Ken and Ginyu on the same team. It'll trigger a cutscene where they argue about who has better poses. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, th- what do you guys think about this? I like it. It's classic. <laughs> it's so much fun to play. What would you do to get? What would you do to get the most out of this? How how would you play this? How would you play it up? Aside from having a fishbowl as a head, <laughs> which I still think would be awesome. I, what? Mysterio? Yeah. He's got a fishbowl as a head. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's not what it really is, but I've seen the seen the thing where it pops off and it's a fishbowl rolling around, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Step into my chemical lab. I, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, you guys suck. All right. Um, so I guess that'll, that'll do it for our character concept. Mysterio. Oh, oh one more thing. I lied. Um... This doesn't have to just be a wizard thing. You can do any sort of spellcaster. Um, the wizard just kind of more of the, the catch catch all for this sort of thing. Um, I think a bard would be a great one because then you have performance, right? Um, and I or even having the entertainer background go with the wizard and getting performance. So there's some good stuff here. Uh, uh, this is not not one you're going to want to run if you're not creative at all, because <laughs> then you're just going to be a wizard. How about a magic trick? <laughs> I want to make this quill disappear. <laughs> oh, and it's gone. <laughs> That's really good. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Got uh, them. Wouldn't touch you. Wait, what happened? Did your balls drop off? Huh? <laughs> uh, that'll do it for our character concept. Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> our next unearthed tips and trick is our monster variant. The Chained Beast of the Nine Hells. This large black dragon appears similar to its kin, with one exception. Its wings appear to be missing. In their place, seared to its flesh, black and silver chains appear to be wrapped around its chest. They appear to move on their own as they flail in all directions, with an astounding reach. The ends of the chain appear to have small black metal casings forged like dragon heads, with red jewels in their eyes. They stared down at you 
snapping at the anticipation of devouring your flesh. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really excited for this. Uh, I shot a message to you guys because I hadn't had a monster variant yet, and I said, hey, I need a monster variant. And then I'm like, Ian, okay. Ian was like, a dragon with chains. I'm like, what? So I immediately thought of uh, thought of Spawn, yep. um, and at least the Spawn in the movie. Or you know. Ghost Rider. Or Ghost Rider, they don't live on their own, though. He uses them, right? Yeah. They are sentient? A little bit of kind of depends on who the the, the artist is. Uh, okay. Uh, so, um, uh, in order for this to work, there's a few uh, things you have to do. Um, first, you're gonna want to get rid of flying. Now, when I envision these, I envision these things floating above it in place of its wings, um, but not giving it flight. Uh, instead, um, it has other things it can do. Uh, additionally, the chains of nine hells can be used in place of any of its attacks under the multi-attack option. Um, that's important, especially if you're going to play it to its fullest. As well as, if the target is grappled, when the attack is made, all damage converts to bludgeoning. Because basically, he's swinging somebody around on his chains <laughs> and smashing into people. So, the new feature, they, do tw- they have 20 feet of reach. They do uh, piercing damage on hit, plus uh, some bludgeoning damage. And if they it, the target is grappled... Um, on a successful hit with an escape DC of 14. Until the grapple ends, the target is restrained. Let's, let's point out again exactly what is this restrained. You're fucked. <laughs> That's what restrained means. You're not wrong. Um, um, and the dragon has two chains, each of which can grapple one target. I feel name is Dragon Alice. Oh my god. Alice and Nine Chains. Alice, Alice and Chains of the Nine Hells. That's hilarious. <laughs> Oh my god um so um the goal is to have the these chains that grapple onto people during the attacks and flail them around but there's more should have been a rooster <laughs> it now has a legendary action <laughs> called fling it can fling it, uh, one medium or smaller object or creature that is grappled by the dragon's chains is thrown up to 40 feet in any direction and knock prone if the thrown target strikes a solid surface, it takes 1d6 damage for every 10 feet. Um, if the target is thrown at another creature, that creature must succeed a DC 14 dexterity saving throw or take the same damage and be knocked prone. Bam. So, while this dragon cannot fly around, he doesn't need to because he just beats everyone with their allies. Yep. Ryan asks, how many attacks would it have per round? Um, so total, you would still have three. Um, the fling, you could count that, I guess, as another attack, but the damage isn't very much. I think much. Um, and I also lowered the damage on the, um, the, uh, the actual weapon attack, so it's in line with the CR rating. So while, if you consider the legendary action an additional attack, it's still within the damage specs of the, um... The CR rating. The only thing that I think I didn't uh, compensate for when I was building it was when it's hitting another person. Bam! So that means it might do a little bit more damage than I within the the CR rating. Plus, it still has a breath weapon. Yeah, but that can only that it can only do that. Well, yeah, yeah. So it's still there. But yeah, um, so it should be within the CR rating. Um, when in doubt, don't worry because players usually destroy everything anyway. So good God, um, Ryan, what? Could you use two chains to pull a PC apart? The raining blood spectral attack. Um. So if you kill them, sure. Yeah. If you you can kill them, I would say 
that if a character is knocked unconscious and they say they fail three death saves, I would say have the chains pick them up and tear them apart. Or they could just get a grom. Oh yeah, well, Coup de Grace only does two though. You can still do it, but you would have to succeed. So yeah, um, I definitely would allow that. Um, I'm all for killing players because I don't think they need to be coddled, and if they don't want to die by being eviscerated by chains like cheddar cheese, then they shouldn't fight giant dragons with chains that can shred them like cheddar cheese. <laughs> cheddar cheese. Uh. Excellent. <laughs> uh, I work with Mr. Burns. <laughs> so that'll do it for our monster variant, the Chain Beast of Nine Hells. Which, by the way, can I just say what a baller-ass name that is? It is a fun concept. I don't know where I came up with the name. I, I assume I just went off of your thing, but I'm just I'm, like, that sounds awesome. You probably just started with Spawn and went from there. Uh, that'll do it for our monster variant. Stockholm Syndrome. So, Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> <laughs> the heroes are tasked with rescuing a young captured prince from the claws of a succubus. <laughs> the heroes believe that the prince is being charmed by the succubus and is being forced to be the creature's slave. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, slave. During the rescue, the heroes are constantly informed by the prince that he is in love with the succubus and doesn't want to leave. Over the course of his capture, he has truly fallen in love with her. Of course he does. And wishes to remain at her side. It's up to the PCs to try and confirm the truth. Do they slay the succubus just to earn the wrath of the prince? Do they confirm the truth and return to their employer with the news? And likely, no reward for failing their quest. Okay, so yeah, a little bit of Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> but um, the big tra- the big trade here is that the, per- the the goal the prince shouldn't be under the the charm of the succubus. It may have started off that way, right? But maybe he's now actually has feelings for her. Maybe it's vice versa. Maybe that's why she isn't continually charming him anymore. <laughs> so maybe he was stuck by Snoo Snoo. <laughs> thinking when I was playing WoW the first time I ever played a wizard and I got a succubus as my summon first time that's I saw a warlock that, that wh- warlock wizard there's not even wizards in WoW warlock. Going. it was a warlock it was a warlock I was playing a warlock and I got my succubus first time I summoned I went oh, drop your pants hello baby <laughs> how you doing <laughs> bust out your sock <laughs> and then she went oh whoosh. I was like damn that's awesome <laughs> Alicia hates that pet great nothing but Willmaker from uh, Overwatch <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is a, 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 a traditional theme that, or this is a traditional type adventure that we've seen before. Succubus controls a bunch of a harem of men. Is it a harem if it's still men? I'll see why not. Um, but she has all these people that are enslaved and you yes. go in, slay her and free them. What happens if you go in and slay her and the guy was in love with her and she wasn't a really bad person, or maybe she is bad, but the guy still loves her. And now the prince is out for his, your blood. And hires assassins to chase, chase uh, to take chase you down, or you return back to your employer, and he's like, "Well, I asked you to return my son to me, and you failed to do that." So, well, she is hot, so <laughs> you like end up ripping her apart when he's not there, and he comes back, he's like, "We have saved you from this horrible succubus." He's like, "What are you doing?" He runs up, grabs her severed hand. You see this? It's a ring. This is my wife. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, I don't know. I think it's a really interesting thing because normally when players go to rescue somebody, they want to be rescued. In this situation, they don't. 
Um, and that w- I think that would create a very interesting role play opportunity, as well as you could really create a lot of uh, fun non-combat encounters, especially if they're trying to find out the truth, you know, stalking, questioning, um, trying to, you know, snoop around a castle to find out, you know, that sort of stuff. Tucker and Dale versus evil. <laughs> <laughs> you guys haven't seen it. You need to. Oh, how'd he do, officer? We were just cleaning up our yard, and all of a sudden, these college students started throwing themselves in the wood chipper. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta tell you, Dale, you tell the police about what it is and what it looks like, this doesn't look good. (laughs) I I love that movie. Uh, All right, uh, that'll do it for We have your friend! (laughs) That'll do it for our encounter of the podcast, Stockholm Syndrome. So, moving on to our magic item... (laughs) I want a refund. <laughs> <laughs> this week's magic item is called the Amulet of Death's Door. Mm. This amulet is a set of hinged concentric circles. A smaller ring in front of a larger ring of black iron. In the center of the smaller ring is a plate with a door with a skull attached or etched upon it. It's etched. It looks very similar to a knocker iron you've seen on many chambered doors. The bearer gains insight and knowledge into medicine. They gain proficiency in the medicine skill. Once per day, the bearer may spend in action removing all of the failed death saving throws from a target within five feet of them. The target is not stabilized. The amulet has no effect on a creature who is dead. I know that seems obvious, but for some reason I felt the urge that that needed to be in there. (laughs) (laughs) Wake up, buddy. Wake up. Sometimes it must be stayed. Oh, what the hell, Ed? Still waiting for the meat of the show. <laughs> you got the meat of the show. Uh, what do you think of this magic item? Why, it boosted your medicinal skills. Always a plus to keep the party alive in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's part of it. I like the idea it's called Amulet of Death's Door. Yeah, get it? Knocking on Death's Door? That's the whole why it looks like a yeah, door exactly. knocker? Yeah, it's like some sort of item that'll kill you if you touch it. <laughs> but no, it saves you. <laughs> Yeah, no. You're dying. <laughs> so now, here's my real question to you guys. When you if you were to use an amulet like this, what would it look like? Would you just not, uh, have it around your chest and then knock on it and then like, you know, scare away like the spirits of death around the enemy uh, the the c- c- creature or what? Pale it like a triangle. No, no, no. Ooh, no. I'm what, talking like flavor-wise. Do? What does it look it's, like when it's when it, it's protecting them? It, it looks looks like what you said, right? But well, you take it off and you put it on the chest of the hurt being, and you knock on their chest, and from above them, death walks through a fade faded door. He raises his hand and he pulls up three orbs of energy that come out of their body, which are their failed death saves, and then he walks away. Oh, nailed it. Mm. He came through. I know. Accidents oh, do happen. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. You guys suck. Um, yeah, so that's the magic item. Uh, this uh, this item is basically something designed to help keep players alive. Specifically, if you've got a group without like a healer or something. Stay alive. Stay alive. You know what would be even worse? Is if death took, you to- both. If death took tokens and before he left, he said, I'll be back. <laughs> Oh my god. So that'll do it for our magic item, the Amulets of Death's Door. So I'm pretty sure somebody asked what is the what, what is the thing you responded to on the Facebook about uh, I hate you all. Oh. What is your DM's catchphrase? <laughs> Apparently mine's I hate you all. <laughs> you would not be the first DM 
<laughs> War of my group made it their catchphrase. Uh, I don't know. Could you say puns? Ed must be sick. He just said you nailed it. That's completely the, the That's completely opposite of his like personality. Or you're just a P R I C K. Prick 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 prick. Sorry, you were gonna say something? You're a dick. It's true. <laughs> this is Anyways, news? Yes. Uh is it possible to say that your DM's catchphrase is puns? Because that seems to be all you ever do. <laughs> I am pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, they, they get pretty unbearable every time the droid wild shapes into a polar bear. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's very polarizing. So many, I almost quit the game on Friday because there's so many bear puns. <laughs> well, tell them to change into something else, like a cat. No, because then they'll be like, that's perfect. And then I'm just going to be like, that's it. I'm done. Oh, just hang in there, kitty. You'll be all right. <laughs> oh, suck start a shotgun. <laughs> Uh, never heard that before no i haven't uh i heard that on my boat you don't own a shotgun do you (laughs) no of course not no someone was being an asshole on our boat and one of the egg irons said why don't you go suck start a shotgun and everyone went (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) ryan god damn (laughs) yes ryan it was unbearable um <laughs> what? what? What did you? What did you say? It was a really grisly experience. I think I just shit myself. <laughs> did you take a gamble and lose. <laughs> I and gambled yeah. and lost. <laughs> I did say that. Oh, all it right. So. We just had six watchers, and now he's missing. <laughs> they all left. Uh, I hate Actually, it. we were at Fort earlier, so yeah, I think they come and go. I think people pop in and pop out. That's just how it goes. I don't yeah, worry well. about it. Yep. All right, now for a dungeon master chip, we got fatal flaws. Combat is a heavy focus of D&D, which is not too surprising, considering it was based off the uh, war game Chainmail, and the violence that definitely comes with the fantasy settings. We have discussed presenting enemies with great power, and that's okay to throw this at your players on occasion. But sending your players up against insurmountable odds is a great challenge, especially if they take on the task of discovering how to overcome it. Uh, you always uh, attack the flashing red point on their chest. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of spending lots of time leveling up. And give your enemy a fatal flaw. And sometimes they'll, they'll just bring the villain down to their level. That says something. Oh, yeah. And make sure you stick to clues early on and pepper them throughout the adventures. This could be a physical object, like kryptonite or something like that. Or a death note. So, obviously, the most obvious answer to a fatal flaw is an object, like kryptonite, like you said. Or mistletoe. How is a mistletoe... Are you not familiar with Norse mythology? No, they, you hold them over each other and people kiss. No, that's the only substance that could harm the god Baldur. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh. Or maybe the enemy is extremely vain, and there's mirrors and pictures everywhere in their keep. And maybe engage them in a room full of mirrors and use magic illusions to, to alter their appearance. Or you can smash the mirrors or mess up the painting somehow. Well, yeah, <laughs> so, so, so that would be a good one. So... If your villain has a, a fatal flaw that is a personality trait, such as being vain, you, they've got a bunch of mirrors or they've got a bunch of paintings of themselves. Maybe you can make them distraught by, oh my gosh, casting an illusion on them that makes them look ugly. And they look in the mirror and they see a hideous monstrous beast. <laughs> would that bring them down to a peg a little bit because it would mess with them emotionally? Queen. No, I just saw I'll, I'll make maybe the bar, because of, of course it would be, while changing form into the villain. Oh, handsome devil, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> so it'd also be Queen Nahalania from Sailor Moon, 
if any of you out there have watched that. I've managed to keep that secret forever, and you just tell everybody. You know how many times I've edited out your comments? Technically, he did. Would you say stop anything? editing my Sailor Moon stuff? I'm just kidding. I never did that. Oh, okay. Technically, difference is your name. So you out yourself, actually. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to elaborate on who? Queen Nahelania from Sailor Moon. She she had a complex like that. So did they leverage that to beat her? I think they did. Do you know how? <laughs> I can't. Way recall. to bring up a great example and not have a response. Oh God. No, I just remember Queen Helena was like that, and it's like, oh shit, I don't remember the storyline. So, anyways, uh, for this <laughs> for, for this example, uh, if the, the the there's a physical object that you can get a hold of that makes them weak, that's great. If they're vain, you can you know make illusions and put them in a room full of mirrors where they see the disgusting, hideous versions of themselves, weakening them a little bit and distracting them from combat, um, allowing the the players to get the upper hand. Or maybe they are extremely cruel. Um, not just to their foes, but to their subordinates as well. And so the players can leverage that and try to convince the subordinates to turn on them. And that's, you know, that's what it takes to, to bring down this absurdly strong foe. Okay. Well, so if, but, but by bar example, I was only halfway done with it. Oh, sorry. Like, like, you know, like a transformer has something against like the devil. It's like, like, oh, you're a handsome devil. I know. Well, I'm at gout. Okay. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> well, there's a Greek myth that actually kind of goes with that. <laughs> Another thing that uh, I think could be cool in with uh, giving uh, weaknesses. Sorry, I know who you're talking about, apparently. Queen Nehalania. Nehalania. I'm looking at it right now. Well, look at that. You found uh, another Mooney. <laughs> My wife's a Mooney. I don't, I don't get it. I watch the shows with her, and I think it's stupid. Oh, there goes uh, two of our li- uh, two uh, one of our two listeners. <laughs> um, so, in anybody read the Rick Royden series? Oh, that chick. Okay. Anybody read the Rick Royden series? Nope. Percy Jackson stuff. Nope. Uh, fatal flaws become very important in that, and that's how heroes are brought down. They the their fatal fatal flaws are exposed in some way manner. So and yeah, the reboot was pretty good. Yeah. So if you're going to Build a big, powerful enemy that your players can't outright defeat. Put some clues in there to some fatal flaws and ways they can, things that they can leverage to help them overcome those challenges. I challenge you, villain, to a dance contest. No! I cannot resist a dance contest. (laughs) The reboot of what? Sailor Moon. Yeah, I watched it. Um, Way better than the original. Still not, not. I watched it too. Still not super into it, but I did like it a lot better. Yeah. Um, I love the art style. I thought it was amazing. I uh, look, you got me talking it. about Sailor Moon, assholes. Well, I watched it with my ex. So. I love it, and I am waiting for the Dark Moon Circus to come out. Yeah. Whenever that is. Yeah. Anyways, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast, Fatal Flaws. And man, did, did the fourth thing, King go like chumps. <laughs> our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by... Never say, my character would never. My character would never do such a thing. Hate that. That's a terrible restriction on yourself and on the group. Adhering to personal morals and codes is important part of any PC. I, we understand that, right? But don't let it be a stumbling block for furthering the story, which many people do. Right? Yeah. Oh, no, my, my character would never, never do that. Interesting characters rarely deal in absolutes. Of course, unless you are... A Jedi? A Sith. 
Sith deals in absolutes. You were close. I give you I give you half credit for that one. I, I don't know. It seems like the Jedi deal in this was way more than the Sith do. I'm just <laughs> saying. Yeah, kind of a little bit of uh, uh, hypocrisy. hypocrisy there, huh? <laughs> um, uh, anyway, <laughs> interesting characters rarely deal in absolutes and are constantly confronting consequences of their actions. Especially in situations where there is no ideal solution, right? Sometimes for, you just can't win. Right. And for me, I like to put moral con- moral ambiguity in my games so that there isn't always a very obvious right and wrong. Actually, uh, the uh, Witcher video game series is actually a very good example of this. Oh, yeah? Do you have an example specifically? Well, a minor example from the first game was that you uh, have to, you're hired to protect a cart from like, uh, swamp creatures. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of you protecting them overnight, some elves appear out of nowhere saying, oh, the owner of these promises to us. We're, we're going to take them now. So you can choose whether to let the elves have it mm-hmm. or not. Right. And at my playthrough, I let the elves have it. And later on, a few chapters later in the game, a guy was assassinated in a bar. And the weapon description he was used to kill him happened to match the <laughs> those weapons the elves took. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Never trust an elf. <laughs> nice one, Ryan. Um, so... <laughs> Make sure to let your character do something that they will regret later. Invite, <laughs> invite conflict into your your character and their persona. It adds it def, it adds depth, and that's that's important to a character. Sometimes your characters have to make mistakes. If you always say my character would never do that, think about instead of in the current situation, why would they be willing to do that? Are you willing to protect the uh, town that's going that wants to burn the witch who's completely innocent? Yeah. I may have written an entire village to, to do that in the game. Oh, God. <laughs> but she is innocent! Burn the witch! But she's innocent! <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan says, never trust an elf, and Ed says, especially a one on a shelf. You guys have heard of Elf on a Shelf? Unless she's you ever seen? Herself. You ever seen Link in a Sink? <laughs> or a, a whore in a drawer? It's a Barbie in a sock drawer. That's funny. Hopefully not your sock drawer, Brandon. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, They're right there. So That's a long jump. Toss me. <laughs> Excuse uh, me? Toss me. You're going to have to toss me too far. All right. So uh, it, it's, it's important to remember <laughs> that every time you say your character would never do something, you're, you're stopping the story because you don't want to add depth to your character. Instead of trying to argue why you have to do it, or why you should, you're gonna, you should do it, or even just trying to convince the other team not to. No, I'm thinking about the uh, the se- second <laughs> the gamers movie mm-hmm. when the the group had the paladin in their party, and they kept having to distract them to do to do the stuff, the usual stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, paladin over there! Where the enemy has escaped? Where? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, target! <interrogate> <laughs> Um. Um. Anyways, at the very least, if you you can't justify why your character would do something, consider them a conscientious objector, where they're going to go along with the group, but they're not going to actually help. Because at least then you're not stopping the game because you think your character would never do something. It's a fuck ton of air quotes. <laughs> and also, it's boring when you do that, because then you're going to sit and watch everyone else have a good time. So, I give you some NPCs, you can, you can be some bad guys. <laughs> Uh, all right, that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by never saying, my character would never. 
A lot, hopefully you guys enjoyed all the goodies we had for you today. Before we close out, we have one more prize to give away. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. Just hey. hands! Hey Ian, who's our winner today? Our winner today is Big A dot little dot A5. He sucked my battleship. Congratulations, big A dot little dot A5. Oh, God. You suck my submarine. Um, well, fuck you. You are, the, you are this week's winner. <laughs> if you enjoy the adventure, please let Jeff Stevens know by leaving a review, write a review, tell him what you like, what you didn't like, and let him know Crit Academy sent you. Also, check out all his other amazing products. <laughs> dingy. Dingy? Dingy. Dingy? What's a dingy? A really small boat. A really small oh. boat. Like what? Jack Sparrow runs to the port as it was sinking? <laughs> Oh, I, I have not. I actually haven't made it through most of those. <laughs> I watched Sloop the first PT boat. Uh, all right, so that'll do it for our show today. Please join us on our next episode, where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will discuss wizards' clever use of spell components. Hey guys, what is the material component of Minor Illusion? I don't know. I just use arcane focuses. It's called it's wool, as in pulling the wool over your eyes. <sighs> Guess what the component for fireball is. What's that? Bat guano. Isn't that an explosive or a combustible material? This one that comes for gunpowder. Yeah. Is that literally the component? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and there are dozens of them. So our show is going to be a little different next week. We are just going to talk You're right, some Tate. of the stuff that's hidden in the D&D component spells. Easter You're, eggs. You're right, Tate. And me, just not the two nuts. I am the dinghy between two nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Ten cool points for... Ed. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah. So, I'm really excited for that. We're going to have a little uh, freebie. So, we're going to look for all the Easter eggs and the spell components. I think they went through a lot of effort to put these in here, and I just want to kind of bring that to the forefront. If you have any feedback, unearthed tips and tricks, or topics you would like to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at CritAcademy at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter and Facebook at CritAcademy. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five star review on iTunes or your platform of choice. Five stars. <laughs> or you can just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy your show. And also be sure to give us a like and a share. Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures. As well as be entered to win cool prizes each and every week. You'll also find links to our Crit Nation Fellowship. Um, if you've not listened to our uh, uh, other Fellowship members, you will also find links to our Crit Nation Fellowship members there as well. Definitely check out Interparty Inter Conflict. Gabe and Jeff do an awesome show that's all about answering your questions, and they do an amazing job better than us. So if you like our Let's Talk About Blank segment, their entire show is similar to that. 
Um, so definitely check them out. As well as D&D Character Lab. Those guys are awesome. They create um, new characters every week and argue their validity, validity against each other. I just listened to the episode where they uh, pulled uh, monsters from more of the uh, from Midgard. Um, oh, yeah, the Cobalt Press yeah, stuff. Yeah, and it yeah. was awesome. So I can't recommend their show enough. Uh, we also have other you know, Facebook groups and other content creators on there. So you can find them at our website under the Crit Nation tab. Uh, I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your co-host, Dan. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. <laughs> <laughs>